you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for LAist's new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We are where we eat. We'll go behind the scenes of LA restaurants. The kickoff event is May 22nd. Tickets at LAist.com events. Hi, Imperfect Paradise listeners. I'm Brian De Los Santos, and I host a podcast from LA Studios called How to LA, where I help curious Angelinos connect with our beautiful and complicated city. I'm also one of roughly 80,000 DACA recipients in Southern California. And in the series we're about to share, you'll hear my very real and very personal story of receiving advanced parole to return to my homeland for the first time since I left 30 years ago. Stay tuned to hear part one of our four-part How to LA series on my journey home to Mexico. Oh my God, this looks official. This looks official. What is this? <sighs> Remember a couple weeks ago when I told you I was getting ready to go on a trip to Mexico? Authorization for parole of an alien into the United States, Department of Homeland Security. If you haven't heard that episode yet, to recap, I was approved for something called advanced parole. It's a travel document that allows some DACA recipients like me to travel abroad without applying for a visa. Parole purpose is DACA. Authorization is valid for one entry. DACA has been life-changing for hundreds of thousands of young people. Deportation relief, access to driver's license, work authorization. But DACA doesn't provide a pathway to legalization. Beneficiaries can still be deported, removed from this country. That means for hundreds of thousands of people like me, even the country is not simple. What advanced parole provides is the opportunity to re-enter the United States right after leaving the country. Traveling outside the authorization period may result in termination of DACA. And not only that, I had to plan out this entire trip in like two weeks. return on or before March 14th. I gotta get going now. Not to mention, leaving the United States, even with your advanced parole document, does not guarantee that you will be paroled into the United States. I know this is official, but damn. Well, spoiler alert, I did go on that trip. Hola, hola. ¿Cómo estás, hijo? And I did come back. <laughs> but it was conflicting. I was getting a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to hug my abuelita in person. But it also reminded me how fragile my immigration status is. How much work it takes for DACA recipients to even go see a sick loved one. And it showed me how much I still don't understand about the U.S. immigration system. People who grow up in this country grow up to believe that we have certain freedoms. To seek permission to leave the country, to see a dying loved one. It leaves many people flat-footed. I'm Brian De Los Santos, and this is a special three-part series from Elias Studios and How to LA, Finding Home con DACA. Oh my God, I'm going to Mexico, y'all. Part one, the process. DACA will turn 11 years old this summer. I would argue that it's been the most successful immigrant integration policy we've seen in decades. That's Roberto Gonzalez. And I teach sociology at the University of Pennsylvania. And he's also testified before Congress on immigration policy reform. The situation has not changed dramatically in those 11 years. 
And Congress has had more than a decade to act, and it has not. Those who have DACA are no closer to citizenship, no closer to a broader set of rights than they were when they first obtained DACA. I consider myself someone who's very well informed as a journalist, obviously, but I have been since I was told I was undocumented in middle school. I had to kind of be in the survival mode of like, I have to be a one step ahead with information, whether it was resources or even how to drive in certain streets. The LAPD versus the LA County Sheriffs, you know, who is more pro-immigrant or who is more anti-immigrant in those departments. Since I found out I was undocumented, it's always been like a risk of just living here. And DACA has made things a lot easier, obviously. I'm able to work legally, I have a driver's license, travel outside the country with advanced parole, but, you know, I can't vote. And then you do this permit every two years. It gets tiring to just go through this. And I'm curious to know what have you heard through your work, through your research, through talking to communities. Because like you said earlier, there isn't any progress or change with the DACA program so far. Yeah, this is a really difficult thing. My involvement with undocumented young people dates back to the early 1990s. I was really curious about, you know, what do young people do who've grown up in this country and don't have status? What do they look like over time? I started realizing that many of the young people that I spoke to were describing physical and emotional manifestations of stress. Chronic headaches, toothaches, ulcers, trouble getting out of bed in the morning, sleep disorders, eating disorders, thoughts of suicide. The stress of seeing friends that you've grown up with who are able to advance in their lives while you stay in one place. Having to keep secrets from people you're very close to about your status. Constant looking over your shoulder always, always on the alert in case something would happen. There's this kind of saying is I, I feel like I'm neither from here nor there. The advanced parole has been a game changer for so many young people to touch ground in their countries of birth. But the advanced parole windows can be very tight. A person may wait months or even a full year for USCIS to process their request, then once they are approved, they may have just weeks to complete that trip. February 6th, 2023. The moment I got that letter in the mail, I could see a stopwatch just hanging over my head. I sent my original request five months ago and heard nothing back. Now it's real. I gotta figure everything out, fast. First thing that pops into my head is my apartment search is kind of put on hold. Next thing is like, how do I even get there? And it's super expensive. Like I gotta leave in about two weeks. So I know that prices are not gonna be pretty. What are the gay friendly spots? I don't even have a damn suitcase. Shoes, clothes, my gear for work. Are they gonna give me the time off? Who's gonna host a podcast? I gotta talk to my manager. Actually, that I'm leaving the country. Wait, where am I even gonna stay? Hello. Hey, Dad, it's me. Oh, what's up, Igor? Um, okay, so have some news. 
good news or bad news? <laughs> it is. It's good news. It's it's good news. Um, I'm going to Mexico. <laughs> oh wow, that's <laughs> um, wonderful. That's great. When do you know that? I just found out through this letter that I got sent to at home. Essentially, only have like two weeks and a few days to prepare, mm -hmm. and I am trying not to freak out about it and have an anxiety attack, but. Um, so I tell my dad and I'm like, my friend who knows about immigration stuff told me that if I'm anxious or stressed out about crossing the border legally this time, I should just bring someone with me. They could be helpful if anything goes wrong. So mi pregunta para ti es, ¿pudieras llegar conmigo de regreso a los Estados Unidos? Can you come back into the U.S. with me? Well, well, well. Well, um, we are planning to, to go with your mom over there and probably we can meet over there, go together. You can see your grandma from my side, your grandma from your mother's side. Everything will be there over there. Oh, wait, wait when are you going? Uh, Do you know the date? I, I need to check my calendar, but if you need me to come back with you at an earlier time, I can move my flight and fly with you. No problem, Nico. I'm going to be honest here. It's hard to overestimate how stressful it was to plan out this trip. And my experience was probably easier compared to many other undocumented people. I'm a journalist who has reported on immigration before, and I have a lot of contacts in that space. I had a great immigration lawyer. I had family to stay with in Mexico. I have a job that was willing to let me leave on short notice. The process was still complicated. Every step of the way, it felt like I was being kicked back into survival mode. And I kept asking myself, why does it have to be this way? Like, why is this so difficult? Most Americans agree that, that our immigration system is broken, been broken for a long time. But it's also a really hot button topic. And our Congress has been gridlocked for the last decade or so. So in the absence of congressional action, Immigration lawmaking has been done through the executive branch. DACA, Temporary Protected Status, the Remain in Mexico program, Muslim ban. The lawmaking has been really done through administrative actions. And immigration law is very complicated. It's really complicated. It's complex. And anyone who's listening to this conversation should consult with a lawyer. I mean, it's, it's not as clear-cut for every case that you put through the, you know, USCIS or such. But there are some very specific benefits to re-entering the country via advanced parole, right? Yeah, so depending on how you enter, it really shapes the avenues available for adjusting your status. With an advanced parole document, that counts as a lawful entry to the United States, which then is a requirement then for qualified individuals to be able to apply for a green card. Um, I want to turn to something that's a little bit more joyous, a little bit more light. Um, I don't know when I'm going to be able to go back to Mexico or take another trip like this outside of the country in the near future. Hello, Dad. 
At this point, I'm just as excited as I am nervous, so I asked my dad for advice. He's been around the world and has been back to Mexico many times. Yeah, no, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. I do want to visit Mexico City, and I obviously want to go back to Veracruz. Anything that we do, I want to eat good, so I want some some home cooking, the Veracruz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, your both grandmas, they cook really good. Mole enchiladas, red rice really delicious. Fried beans, tamales, salada, garnachas, memelas, everything, everything is there. What's the one thing I have to try when I'm in Veracruz then? Definitely go to, um, it's called Los Portales. Es un lugar icónico, es un lugar especial ahí en Veracruz. Todo el mundo lo conoce, todo el mundo quiere ir. Todo el que es turista llega ahí y pide un lechero, un lecherito. Es un café autóctono que te lo sirven y hay una manera especial de servir. Cuando vea, llegues ahí te vas a sorprender. Y la otra cosa, una concha con natas. Mm. Eso es, diríamos, es lo, lo clásico. A cualquier hora del día te lo sirven y está bien delicioso. Oh, that sounds yummy. I mean, I remember you telling me about las conchas con nata, but I don't, obviously never had one like that. I don't, did you ever try to recreate it for us at home? I don't even remember that. No, la <laughs> leche de aquí, the milk from here, it doesn't create the nata. Then it has to be real cow milk. Mm. All right. That makes me a little bit more happier than being stressed out right now and being freaked out by the news, obviously, because I, I wasn't expecting this letter, right? I think I told you I applied, like, a while ago, and I'm just hearing now about it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, don't worry about it. When you get to Veracruz, there is a lot of places where you can stay. You don't need to stay in a hotel. You can stay with my mom, but you can stay with your grandmother from your mom's side. Then your aunt can take you out. Your, one of your uncles can take you out in Orizaba, or Veracruz, Harbor. They can take you to your hometown. Enjoy it over there. Veracruz is very beautiful. The beach is very beautiful. The food is over there really nice. There is a lot of places around to visit. Oh, thanks, Dad. But you you planning to go to Mexico City alone? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man, they will notice you that you are not from there. Why? Because of my bad Spanish? And because you're bad Spanish, because <laughs> the way you dress, the way you talk. I mean, in, in Mexico City, especially from the airport in that area, they have an intonation in their talking, and they know when somebody is from that that region. I'd be worried about it. I mean, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm an adult. I'm 32 years old. I'll be in Ubers and stuff. I'm gonna be walking alone. <laughs> As I think about being in Mexico, I also reflect about who I am here in the United States, the experiences I've been through, and the ones I missed out by not being able to visit Mexico. And it's not just me; others have felt the disconnect too. Many years ago, I met a, a young man in California who was from Mexico. I think that he had migrated at age one. And he was so proud of his country, of his heritage. He's a fan of the Chivas soccer team. <laughs> but he really lamented that he didn't know his country. I've met many, many young people who've taken trips. And just the, the raw emotion that they described sitting around a kitchen table with relatives, being able to embrace somebody. So many young people that I met also um, missed many birthdays, funerals of grandparents. And so the ability to, to go back in person 
there's no underscoring enough just the, the, the power of those kinds of moments that until recently have just been closed off to them. And those stories are multiplying as these young people are kind of finding each other and gaining courage to talk about their situation. February 24th, 2023. I got my Mexican passport. I have my California driver's license. I have my DACA work permit with me just in case. And last but not least, my boarding pass to Mexico for the first time ever. Do you know which airline are you taking off? It is... Okay, Terminal 6. We're going to Terminal 6. On the way to the airport, all these stressful thoughts kept coming back into my head. So I have enough cash to change. Is my Spanish going to sound okay? Or am I going to sound like a pocho? It's raining in LA right now. So are we going to be delayed? Is my plane going to change? Like, I'm kind of freaking out. But then on the other side of me, I'm also thinking, I get to go to Mexico. I finally get to kind of like experience life there. I'm going to get to eat tacos and drink mezcal and go to the beach, I think, and learn about my history. But I'm still freaking out. It's okay. It's okay, it's going to be a great experience. I'm very happy for you. And um, I'm really grateful because that's a thing that you've been waiting for a long time. And that's great. That's great. Thanks, Dad. Congratulations. Next time on Finding Home Gondaka. It smells like Mexico. It smells like my mom. I stepped foot in Mexico for the first time in 30 years. Hola, hola. ¿Cómo estás, hijo? That's next Thursday in part two. Hecho en Mexico. I'm Ruby Ferguson. I'm 27. I received my approval letter February of 2022. I had not been to Mexico since I was seven years old. I wanted to see my family. I wanted to see my grandparents. I can still remember every detail of the trip. My name is Luis Ramirez. I am 35 years old. I remember feeling like it wasn't real that I had left the country. I had arrived at the airport in Guanajuato and was getting picked up by my mom and my cousin to drive over to the little town that I grew up in still felt very surreal. When the plane was landing into Veracruz, I saw the ocean. I saw the houses. They were so vibrant, the colors. That feeling of knowing that I had finally made it to my home country after all this time. My grandmother and my aunt standing there, being able to hug them after two decades. There's just this magic to being surrounded by family that just pour all this love. I hope that in the future I'm able to travel again, to see my family again. Finding Home Gondaka is a special series from Elias Studios and How to LA. How to LA is hosted by me, Brian De Los Santos. This episode was produced by Evan Jacoby. Our other producers are Megan Botel and Victoria Alejandro. 
Erica Washington writes our newsletter. Chris Farias is our social media producer. Hasmik Pagosian is our engineer. Megan Larson is our executive producer. This episode was edited by Catherine Mailhouse. Alrighty, mi gente. Thank you so much for listening. Muchas gracias por escuchar este episodio de How to LA. Hasta luego. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.